G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Every month, visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you this Monday morning, uh, the weekend that was. We'll be fully into review on that. We'll talk to Jimmy Kayes very shortly, of course, the editor of New Zealand Rugby World magazine. Uh, he's also producer of the Breakdown Show on Sky. Uh, wears so many hats, Jimmy, and was across what happened during an amazing weekend of rugby in the Super Comp. Uh, Dr. Joel Rindelob will be with us. He is an ice hockey commentator because it's the start of the Stanley Cup. It's uh, an eight-week-long competition culminating in the fight for one of a sport's greatest prizes and biggest prizes, having said that. Uh, Jamie Wall and James Regan will be uh, the panel for us this morning. That's uh, on the back of Casey Frank uh, reviewing the uh, first weekend of NBL action. There were plenty of games and plenty to talk about there, plus the NBA continues to come to uh, its conclusion, as well as the NBL in Australia, so plenty there. Uh, yep, after the panel, we'll have uh, back in his normal slot just after 11 o'clock, Andrew Voss. Um, and we'll also keep you updated this morning on things that are happening in sport involving New Zealand personalities. Uh, at the moment, there's an interruption in the play in the seniors' golf. So Stephen Elka has currently got a one-shot lead there. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that, but they're not playing at the moment. Uh, Lydia Coe's just teed off. Uh, she's one shot off the pace in her quest for yet another LPGA title. Uh, and at the moment, I can tell you in terms of the sevens, uh, in Langford, France are just starting to fall apart a wee bit, and, and New Zealand, it's now 14 apiece with 3 minutes 54 to go on the clock. Keep you updated there as well. But it's a massive weekend we've got to talk about. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. And the weekend of rugby realisation is over, and it's official. The gap has closed. It's taken a few years, but across the board... The domination by our rugby teams over their rugby teams is no longer that apparent. And if you don't believe that, you are in denial. And what's more, it might be a burgeoning problem for Ian Foster going forward, but it's bloody good for the game, and I for one love it. It's a comp now. Game by game, it's knife-edge stuff. Results in doubt to the final whistle. Margins minimal across the board. Stick that newfound collective confidence in some gold jerseys with David Rennie holding the baton and it's time to sit up and take notice. Highlight of the weekend for me, without doubt, Super Rugby back in the islands. Suva packed to the gunnels after an early fear of a public no-show, atmosphere abounding, a match full of flavour and a three-point margin to the extremely brave and deserving Highlanders. Brownies lads went into the Lions, then battered and bruised, copped the inevitable passion and came out a very satisfied bunch. Something for the Chiefs to look forward to in Lotoka in a couple of weeks' time. And after years of praise and jealousy, do we feel sorry for the Crusaders who this season simply don't get it when it comes to discipline? I mean, how the hell do they lose to the Waratahs aside for the last few years who couldn't even beat themselves? Because sooner or later, sooner or later, playing with 13 and 14 against 15 just doesn't stack up. And here's another point of realisation. If you just landed from Mars, Union is much harder sport 
to watch the league. I promise you. I did a lot of that over the weekend, let alone try to understand. The goal is the same, but the pathway in league is so much clearer. Here's an exercise. See how often rugby refs blow their whistle compared to league refs over a couple of matches next weekend. You'll be staggered. When it overtakes netball, they've got a real issue if they haven't got one now. Time and play is getting a lot further away from cost of tickets by the day. Is it any wonder the stands are getting emptier? Well, 907, my great uh, pleasure to uh, introduce uh, Jimmy Kays, of course. Uh, he'll have one eye on the telly too, I suppose, watching uh, as our Sevens girls now lead 21-14. Good comeback, this in the semi-final against France. Jimmy, good morning to you. I've labelled it a weekend of realisation that the gap has closed. Uh, how say you? Yeah, I completely agree. I, I was listening to you while I was watching Michaela Blythe score a quite remarkable try for the, uh, for the Blackburn Sevens. And I was nodding along with you, mate. You know, if I think back to that Fiji um, Highlanders game, that reminded me of Super Rugby in the late 90s, early 2s, when it was all about entertainment, it was enthralling, it was action-packed, and the crowd was absolutely loving it. That crowd was fantastic. They, they all deserve gold medals. Uh, and then I watched straight after the Waratahs and the, uh, the Crusaders. It was like the game had gone into pause or reverse or slow motion or something. But, you know, it was just... I don't know what I don't know, Smithy, really what's gone wrong, but for some reason, the game has become pedestrian at times, and it's not a great watch. Part of it, as you say, is the absolute stupidity of players getting constantly red carded. Do they not realise yet that you can't tackle someone around the head, that you can't smack someone in the head with your shoulder? Because we're just seeing it every week, aren't we? And it's boring. Fans don't want to watch that. Fans want to watch tries like I'm, I'm watching with the, the sevens as they just go in for another one. That's what fans want to yeah. watch. And uh, how do we convince people that you know, players and coaches to drop their tackles? I don't, I don't know how. But I'll tell you something. If the outcome of dropping the tackle is more offloads, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm with you. I mean... <laughs> I just look at it. You mean I, I sat down deliberately and watched a lot of sport over the weekend, and and you know, and I made myself. I'm not a huge watcher of league, but I watched league. My God, if I, as I said, if you just arrived in town and wondered what was the difference between the two games and what one you'd rather watch, on the eye at the moment, it's, it's not a contest. It, it's just not a contest. No, it's not. Um, if you look at the New Zealand teams versus the Australian teams, so we did this on the breakdown last night. Last year, the New Zealand team scored 39 points on, on average. This year, 30. So the New Zealand teams are going backwards because the Australian teams are scoring more points. They've gone from 20 to 22. Line breaks, New Zealand teams can't make a line break. Last year, they were averaging 9.4. This year, 6. 6, and we call ourselves an attacking country. Uh, and Australia mm. has gone up from 5.4 to 6.6. So the Aussies are making more line breaks per game than the New Zealand teams. It's, um, it's a worry. It's a real worry. And, and a team like the Crusaders, who, you know, as you rightly said, you know, played a team that couldn't beat themselves, uh, they were awful. They were absolutely awful, the Crusaders. I know no Richie Moringa, but is he really going to have that much of an impact? I, I'm not sure. Then again, Smithy, I look at the Highlanders, and if you, if you exclude Umag and Jensen in the midfield and their halfbacks, they don't have a backline. Their, their backline is atrocious. 
compared to the backlines that the Highlanders have had in the past, have been full of running and attack and excitement. These guys would be lucky to play provincial rugby, let alone super rugby. Uh, and then mm. we haven't even started on the rolling ball. I mean, the crusty old Ford, I, I can tolerate them all, but it's just it's, it's dominating now. And it's not, again, I think rugby yeah, administrators. Sorry, one point. Rugby administrators need to realise that the fans are crucial to the game. They pay for everything. Absolutely everything. From Sky subscriptions to tickets to merchandise, absolutely everything. So they need to be fan-centric. And I think the time has really seriously come to divorce Super Rugby from anything to do with the international scene. Because what's happening is our Super Rugby has become... The, the All Blacks demands dominate super rugby. So we no longer have free-flowing, exciting, star-studded star teams all of the time. You know, we've got guys who are being rested for this and being rested for that. There's, there's other considerations that are coming into it with the super rugby. In the NBA, they don't give a toss about the, the standard of the American basketball team. They just want the basketball in the NBA. Now, don't get me wrong, Smithy. You know I love the All Blacks and I want the All Blacks to win, mm. but we need a better balance. And at the moment, Super Rugby is paying the price for whatever it is that the All Blacks want. Our yardstick team is no longer the Crusaders. I think it's fair to say our yardstick team is the Blues, but here's a side that can only just, only just last week beat the Drua, only just this week beat the Force. Now, the Force was a side that was out of the comp and has just come back into it. I, uh, and, I, you know, we talk about these exciting players. Uh, you know, where is um, as RTS? Has he made any ground for you? I mean, uh, he's always been the, what, the one guy everyone was going to say, boy, this could be exciting. But, I mean, has he done enough uh, initially? If you picked an all-black squad in the next two days, three days, would he make it? Um, he will make it. I'm, I'm convinced that they will pick him. He is slowly starting to show what he can do. You know, he did have that time off. And did, I thought he showed some absolute classy little bits uh, in that game against the force, um, which gave me a bit of confidence that he could come through and be and be a really, you know, world-class second five of eight. Um, and look, if I look at the scores, there's four points, there's three points, there's three points, there's two points, there's four points. You know, only the Brumbies had a blowout. So in theory, you'd look at that and go, that was exciting. What an exciting round that must mm. have been. I don't think it kind of, I don't think it was because we're just not getting the crowds. Like, you know, you look at the Rebels versus Moana Pacifica. They played in front of almost nobody in, in Melbourne. Uh, I thought the Waratahs Crusaders, it was inspired to go to Leichhardt Oval, but it just seemed quite a quiet crowd. And it seemed quite a quiet crowd in the Brumbies Hurricanes game too compared to what we saw in Fiji. We want rugby that gets people on their feet going nuts. And, you know, that's, you, as you know, I covered a lot of hurricanes. They, when they moved to the stadium, they had 15,000 15, season ticket holders and they were averaging 27,000 a game. They, the hurricanes were producing the biggest ho, uh, away crowds for any other team. So wherever they went, they produced the biggest crowd for that team. So they played exciting rugby. Lombu, Cullen, Umanga, Yeremia, O'Halloran. You know, they played exciting rugby. And we just, and we had that with the Blues. Carlos Spencer, Rupini Tata Mbutha, Doug Howlett, Mills Miliaina. You know, these sorts of people. We had exciting rugby. I just don't know if consistently, week in and week out, 
the rugby that's being played is entertaining enough to get people coming to the games and getting excited about it because that's what you need. You, you know, you know it so well from all of the sports that you've played. You, you need people to come and get excited about it. Mm. Yeah, okay. Well, let's look at two areas that might be contributing to this. Uh, are we complacent about the, the great level of coaching we've got in this country then? Uh, are we just purely pointing the bone here at the players? Do we look now at our, our coaching structures, our depth of coaching? And number two, which is an, an obvious one for me, is the rule book and the officiating, which is just... And the way that people now, if you go to a game of rugby, Jimmy, but let's be honest, you sit on the couch at home, how much time do you look, spend looking at the referee and waiting for his arm to go out? Yeah, so two, you make two very good points. On the, co- the coaching, absolutely coaches must bear a lot of the blame, if we want to use that word, for what's happening out on the field, particularly the red cards. They coach players to tackle high so they stop the offload. So they are directly responsible for what is happening with the red cards. If they wanted, there must come a point where they are fed up with having 13 or 14 players on the field and actually realise they need to coach low. Because at the moment, it's a battle between the lawmakers and enforcers to get the tackle down and coaches and players who continue to tackle high. So I hope that the people pushing for the tackle to come down succeed. We see more lower ta- low tackles and we see more offloads and more running rugby. So absolutely in that regard and absolutely also in terms of tactics and, and the way that they, that they play the game. But you did write about the law book. Um, it's far too complicated. Too many people go to watch rugby and don't understand what has been decided by the referee. And it is a, is a disaster. You can't have fans not understanding what is going on in the game. And we've both stood there and, and turned to someone and go, what happened there, mate? You know? Mm. You just can't have that. The really popular games around the world, soccer and basketball, are the simplest games. So somehow rugby needs to get rid of all of these extra rules that, that are in there and just have a, have a simpler game. But it still comes back to coaches and players. They are so influential on what happens on the field. And we just continue to see dumb high shots from players. And unless that changes, we're going to see lots and lots of games with only 13 people on the field. Yeah, we sure are, mate. Um... Can we look at uh, positives? Can we go searching for positives here? I mean, the, one of the positives, and in a, in a weird sort of way, and I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, of Australian sport and that, is that they might have closed the international gap as well. I mean, you know, I, I, I jested at the fact that uh, Michael Hooper's done very, very few uh, winning interviews against New Zealand rugby teams in any competition. He might be in line to do a few more. Oh, absolutely. And, and look, there are positives. I think the Chiefs and Blues are a real positive um, within the, the New Zealand teams. And the Crusaders won't be as bad as they were on the weekend too many other times. So, you know, they'll, they'll probably bounce back. But you're dead right. The gap has closed significantly in, in Super Rugby. Let's hope that translates up into the international scene. And the difference this year, Smithy, is that they're going to be playing England in a Test Series before they come and play New Zealand. So they'll be fully tuned up. They'll be absolutely fizzing when they come over and, and play Bledisloe Cup games. And, and they've got an outstanding coach, we know that. He's been successful at every level, Dave Rennie. Club level, junior level, internationally, provincial level, super rugby level, and he will be successful at, at international level with the Wallabies. So they're getting a warm-up, 
They're playing well in Super Rugby, so their individual confidence will be high, and they've got a very astute coach. So I think the Blues are Cup this year could be an absolute ding-dong battle. Really, really, really looking forward to it. Loose forward uh, numbers, I think, is one of the, uh, when I say one of the positives, uh, an increase of candidates anyway, put it that way, and that's always a healthy thing when you've got uh, a good pool to look from. And I, I, I say this, and I, I say welcome back, Akira Iwani, but I also say mm. keep a very close eye on uh, Marino Michele Tu'u, who seems to just get better by the season. Just pick 15 of them. It's a really simple solution. I've always thought that a rugby team should be full of 15 loose forwards. Very easy to solve, problem to solve. Um, you're, you're right, we've got some <laughs> amazing depth. You know, what do you do with Artie Savia? He's, he, is, he, is he a better open side than Sam Kane? Should he be at number eight? Um, Frizzell will probably come back from his MCL injury in time, hopefully for the tests against Ireland, but then definitely for the, the rugby championship. Uh, Akira Ioane, fantastic return, didn't he? Absolutely fantastic return. And then Dalton Papali'i just hardly puts a foot wrong. He's a huge tackler. Um, and then I really like uh, Luke Jacobson. Being a little bit injury prone, but I, I really like the cut of his jib. So well, I haven't even mentioned Hoskins, and probably heaps of others as well. So we have wonderful depth at this four. It must be a wonderful headache for the All Black coaches and selectors to, to sort of pick their way through. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know who, I don't know who's going to miss out. Same with halfbacks, really. Who misses out on halfbacks? I mean, Aaron Smith's number one. We know that. But then you've got Vinay mm. Christie, TJ Perinata, uh, Falao Fakatava, um, and Brad Weber. So that's, that's I think I counted four. Vinay Christie, we to do year four. So we've got five really good halfbacks. Who misses out there? Don't know. Absolutely, uh, at this point, don't know. Aaron Smith, Aaron Smith, you're only given. I mean, uh, but these are these are good problems. Who misses out rather than who can we go find? Um, I, I think they're better problems oh, if yeah. we make the right decisions. Th- this weekend, Jimmy, uh, the teams sort of come and go a wee bit more. Blues are still uh, Blues are back. Blues rebels. You would expect we we must see. Uh, I think uh, for New Zealand teams to turn around, we just got to see better performances across the board. So the Blues are at home. Moana Pacifica are back, the Chiefs are back as well, and the Hurricanes are back as well. So uh, I think we should be looking at victories uh, and handsome ones on two or three of those occasions. Yeah, I certainly hope so. We want to see commanding performances, don't we? And with that will come those victories. You're dead right. The Blues should absolutely run over the top of the Rebels. Um, Reds Highlanders is a trickier one to pick. Um, and Chiefs Brumbies. So that'll be intriguing because both of them like to maul, like the, the, the line-out drive. And the one that I think you touched on, and I'm going to be down in Wellington for this game, that Hurricanes Fiji uh, Drua, that's going to be a, a fantastic game. 3.35 on a Sunday afternoon, hopefully it's a sunny day, and we see a fair bit of running rugby. And, you know, that could be like one of those 45-42 type of games, couldn't it? Look, I hope so. I really do, Jimmy. And um, I, I, it's nice to know you and I are on the same wavelength on a lot of that stuff, and I would imagine most of our <laughs> listeners are as well. There's a, a, a little bit of consternation. Um, there's a, a, a good yeah. amount of frustration. And these are adjectives that you really don't want to see about our, our national game, our great game. And uh, no. you're right. Uh, you're right. You did right along the way. Can, can I ask you a, a very off-topic question, Smithy? I read that story uh, on <clears throat> last Ken's, and it made me phenomenally sad to realise that that man had gone through so much of his life yeah. as a recluse because of his, his deafness. I mean, how aware were you guys as, as teammates that he was pretty much profoundly deaf? It's a good question, actually. Um, we, we, 
we went, we didn't go through it as he had to, but you could tell because it was getting harder and harder to communicate mm. with him to the point where, you know, to the point where, you know, he had to pay serious attention on the, fe- on the field to captains for field changes and things like that because it was very hard um, unless he was watching to attract his attention. Now, that's how hard it got. I also um, yeah. was led to believe that um, he, he spent a lot of time just going and playing half a dozen holes of golf. I think it was at Rustley more often than not in Christchurch just because that was a happy place because golf, mm. golf is a particularly quiet game where you don't need uh, to have a lot of hearing, etc., and you can just live in your own world and hit golf balls mm-hmm. and things like that. And that was, that, that was his big release. Uh, we'd had, we had no idea. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Lance Ken's, in fact, the Ken's family story is quite, quite depressing if you go through it bit by bit. really is. Yes, I know. I know. Oh, well, he was part of a wonderful era of cricket, and obviously you were too, mate. We enjoyed watching you both out on the field. So, yeah, but I did read that story with, a, with, with quite a bit of sadness. Yeah, it is sad. It's very, very sad, Jimmy. Um, and... Uh, at least it hasn't ended with Christopher, has it? That's the sad, uh, you know, it just has not ended. It just continues. Oh, he's happen, got some so. challenges, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Jimmy, thanks very much for your time this morning. Great, um, honest uh, account of what you saw over the weekend and where the issues lie. Always great talking to you, pal. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cheers, Smithy. Have a good day. Cheers. Jim Kay's there, of course, uh, heavily involved in rugby, whether a writer, producer, uh, or a commentator, and uh, his views are very good. So then, uh, you at home, double eight, double three. Has the gap closed? Has the gap closed between Australia and New Zealand? Double eight, double three. That's as simple as that. Are you enjoying watching rugby? Double eight, double three. Or do you prefer watching league with its openness, uh, its honestness, honesty, its transparency? Um, do you? I mean, to me, I'm starting to change, and I work in rugby. There's a concern, isn't it? Nine twenty-four here on SCNZ. Lara Steeler today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, text from Zade this morning, uh, just basically agreeing with us in terms of uh, the close margins. Uh, the Chiefs winning by uh, such a close margin and they've got a big game uh, this weekend when they return home. That's a Saturday night game against uh, the Brumbies. That will be an absolute cracker, that one. Uh, because the the Brumbies really look to be a pretty good unit, don't they? Laurie Fisher involved there again. Uh, Dan McKellar, they are a good side, well coached, and uh, they're the team to beat, it seems. Um, Zaid, uh, all over those results. Thanks, Aid, for your text. Uh, Re RTS, Roger Tuovasashek, the Blues need to learn how to use him. It starts by giving him the ball the first few games. They would all skip from him to Rico. Better to give it to him and let him set up Rico. Yeah, well, nice. It would be um, absolutely fantastic to see uh, Roger Tuovasashek start to be a real player in some of these games. But at the moment, the, the, our style of play, etc., um, makes it very hard for a new guy coming in. I mean, it must be so far removed from uh, rugby league or what he was expecting to come into. I, I would imagine he thought he might have some room, etc., but there's none. No room, no time. Uh, makes it pretty hard. Uh, Jared, hey, hey, Smithy, you betcha. Uh, the gap is closed. At least we will have some close games to look forward to and especially Bledisloe Cup. But, mate, what is really concerning, the game rugby isn't exciting. From what I hear on radio, the local pub, most people would rather watch rugby league. Must admit, I would too. Well done, Jared. Um, and you are far from a lone voice. I'm tempted myself. It is uh, 9.31 here on SENZ. Time for Araha with the news.
Well, the Stanley Cup, yep. Uh, one of the oldest, uh, most sought after, and one of the biggest, actually, in terms of uh, its actual size. It's, uh, it's one of the ones that uh, everyone goes after. And, of course, uh, in America and Canada and those places where ice hockey is absolutely paramount and strong, uh, it is uh, such an ex- exciting time of the sporting calendar now because uh, an eight-week marathon uh, really gets underway, which uh, turns uh, 16 NHL teams and their fans into a bit of a frenzy, really. Uh, they begin tomorrow. Each of the 16 teams theoretically have a chance at winning. Uh, there's some red-hot scoring form, or perhaps a goalie can carry a team, create an upset when needed. And joining us now to um, to uh, go through the matchups is uh, Joel Rindelab. Uh, Joel, good morning to you. Thanks very much for your time. Morena. Happy to talk about some ice hockey. It's that time of year. Yeah, you can educate our listeners as well. Uh, a lot of them will know exactly what the Stanley Cup is, but the format and the, the candidates, the serious candidates this time around, uh, Joel, are, are interesting to talk about. Can we begin? There's not, a lot of interesting matchups with the Maple Leafs and the Lightning, of course, Tampa Bay looking at three in a row. Yeah, absolutely. The thing with the playoffs is it's nuts, absolutely wild. So I forgive you if you haven't been paying attention through the regular season because this is all that matters right now. And as you mentioned, the Maple Leafs and the Lightning are, is going to be the premier matchup that you know every Canadian and their pet moose is going to be watching. And it's because the Leafs have been just on fire this year. They have some great offensive talent, and their power play unit is unmatched. They have guys like Austin Matthews, who is actually from the desert of Arizona, he had to move all the way up to the Great White North to help save this franchise. Um, and so let me give you a little bit of a background on why everybody is focused in on the Maple Leafs right now, even though Tampa Bay has just won back-to-back titles. And that's because Toronto has this history of just absolutely failing in the playoffs, complete and utter disappointment. They haven't won a Stanley Cup in 55 years. And so everyone thinks, you know what, this is going to be the year. This is, this is it for them. They're finally going to get over the hump. But they consistently, consistently drop the ball. Whether they're up huge in a series or in a deciding game seven, they just collapse. Death taxes and a lease collapse are the only certainties that we have. Okay, okay. Well, uh, if that's the case and they're going to fall over to the Lightning, tradition says that they will, does that mean the Lightning um, are, are really, uh, with Stephen Stamkos, etc., are, are, they, are they looking likely that they're, they're a possibility of retaining? Long way off, but could they go back to back? They to absolutely back? could. Yes, they would be the first team to go back to back to back since the 1980s. So this would be an amazing feat. Their whole roster has a lot of depth. You mentioned Stamkos. They also have Nikita Kucherov, who is a big game player. And I think an X factor for this series is actually going to come down to goaltending. As you mentioned earlier, a hot goalie can really carry a team. And the Lightning have one of the best in Andre Vasilevsky, another Russian, who is just a wall back there and another big game player. So if it comes down to goaltending, it could be the Lightning. But this, this, this is up in the air. No one really knows which way it's going to go because it could be the Leafs here once again. It's just kind of unfortunate for them that they have to go up against you know the defending champs in the first round. Joel, uh, we have to talk about uh, the Minnesota Wild because uh, they're your babies. Uh, and talking about uh, goalkeeping uh, being such a, a big side of it, uh, they traded for Marc-Andre Fleury at the deadline. 
How big of an impact has that addition been? He's going to add a lot of stability back there in the goaltending department, which the Wild traditionally haven't had. And they're also kind of traditionally not so wild as a team. They're, they're usually a little boring, but that has changed for the maybe the first time ever. They're actually a very exciting team. They have Kirill the Thrill Kaprizov, who had 108 points this year, so that's uh, goals and assists combined. One of the top offensive threats is really bringing in new life to this team, and they're going to be going up against the St. Louis Blues. And this is, again, two contenders that are actually going to have to face off each other in the first round. So there's a lot that can happen, and these two teams played each other earlier in an outdoor game that was negative 21 degrees in Minnesota. And the Blues actually took that one. And so they're going to try to keep that that heat going in the face of the Minnesota cold. Can I just ask you, how many people, we struggle to get people to come to our sport at the moment. How, how do you get people in that kind of temperature? What kind of crowd would you get to that? So they played this at the, um, the outdoor stadium where the Minnesota Twins baseball team actually plays. And they had, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 people just to show up and watch this oh. uh, spectacle. So, um, and actually, the big Blues fan out there is actually actor John Hamm. So he'll be posting about the Blues pretty much every day from here on out. Oilers Kings. Uh, Edmonton Oilers, of course. Uh, they've got Connor McDavid and Leon Drissetil, uh, who are a lethal combination. Uh, if there ever was one, uh, what about LA shutting them down? This match, I just think, is kind of hilarious between the Oilers and the Kings because they're two teams that play completely opposite styles. So you have the Oilers, who you mentioned, with guys like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and they're young, they're fast, they're going to score a lot of goals. But on the other end, you have the Los Angeles Kings, who are old, slower, and play a more defensive style. So once again, this is going to be perhaps a, a matchup of goaltenders. And funny that both these teams are starting two geriatric goaltenders that are somehow playing like it's Y2K right now. We have 40-year-old Mike Smith for the Oilers and then 36-year-old Jonathan Quick for the LA Kings, who, again, found a resurgence this year. So it's, it's going to be an interesting series because the Oilers um, also don't really have a great playoff history as of late. Um, so this one could go either way. But I'm going to probably back the Oilers uh, just because they have so much exciting fire, firepower. Even if you don't know a lot about hockey, most Penn sports fans around the world would know the name Sidney Crosby. Um, and, of course, uh, he is uh, one of the greats of the game not right there in Gretzky quality, uh, camp at the moment, but certainly he's the modern-day name that people associate with it, uh, Joel. Uh, and he's with the Penguins this year. Could he possibly lift the cup? Absolutely. Every, every team here has a chance. If you, you just need a chip and a chair to make it in the playoffs. Like I will give you an example. Last year, the worst team to make the playoffs was the Montreal Canadiens. They went all the way to the Stanley Cup final. So if you get a hot goalie or you know the right lineup, you can go all the way. And a guy like Sidney Crosby, who has that experience, has won multiple cups. He is an all-around player that could definitely help the Penguins make it through. Unfortunately, they're going to be going up against the New York Rangers and the goaltender Igor Shosturkin. And so you probably have no idea who this guy is, 
and he kind of just came up on the map this year. The goaltender had an absolute unreal year, one of the best goaltender years of all time from Shesterkin. And so he's basically the whole team for the New York Rangers and has been almost carrying them all the way. So the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to have a really tough time trying to score goals on him. But it's the playoffs and anything can happen. Washington uh, have been without their captain, Alex Ovechkin, for uh, the last uh, two or three games due to injury. What will impact will his, uh, his, uh, his return make to them? They're, they're going to need Alex Ovechkin if the Washington Capitals are going to win this series. They rely on him a lot offensively. They're a little bit depleted this year. Their goaltending hasn't been great, and that's going to be tough if they're going to be going up against the best offensive team in the league in the Florida Panthers. And the Florida Panthers, when you think them, think goals. Heaps and heaps of goals. They've scored over four a game, and they were the first team to put up that many goals per game in 30 years. So they're led up front by the Finn Alexander Barkov and the Canadian Jonathan Huberto, and that's what they do. They score goals. But one player I like to note is uh, Joe Thornton, Jumbo Joe. He is 42 years old, a fan favorite. Every NHL player I've talked to has great respect for him. So if you see him out there for the Florida Panthers, he'll be this old dude with this massive graying beard that's a stabilizing force for them. And hopefully, hopefully we get to see the Panthers win a playoff series because they haven't won one since 1996. Whoa. Okay. Let's look at the Avalanche uh, and the Predators, and uh, Nashville are without their goalie and UC Saros. Uh, so uh, will they be able to contain the likes of Nathan McKinnon and Kale, Kale McCarr? Will they be too hard to handle? Um, I would have to say it's not looking good for Nashville. Colorado has been, along with Florida, the best team in the league all year. Everyone is trying to avoid playing them. They're, they're just too, too dangerous. And so I'll just give you an example. The last game of the regular season, as the Nashville Predators, they didn't have Yuzi Saros. He's their all-star goaltender who is injured. And so they had to play one of their backup goalies. And all they had to do was beat the Arizona Coyotes in the last game of the season to ensure that they didn't have to face Colorado in the first round. So they started the game up four goals, and their backup goalie let in five unanswered goals. They lost to one of the worst teams five to four in the last game of the series of the season, and now they have to play Colorado in the playoffs. So that just gives you an overview of the direction Nashville is trending. Let's look also just finally at the Flames and the Stars. Now, uh, ESPN, from all accounts, have the Flames sweeping the Stars. Uh, Dallas not uh, likely to be in it. Is that the way you see that? Well, the thing with Dallas is um, they have a really good top line uh, led by Joe Pavelski, the American, who's having a great year at age 37. But the playoffs are a lot like checking out on the grocery store on like a weekend afternoon. If you only have one line option, your whole day is going to be ruined. So they don't really have the depth to stand up to a team like Calgary who is firing at all cylinders right now. They've got Johnny Goudreau, Matthew Kachuk on that top line, who combined for over 200 points this year. And some solid goaltending in the back from the Swede, Jacob Markstrom. So uh, this could be the year the Flames do make a dent, because they're, they're another team that has kind of had a bit of a curse in the playoffs, where they've only won two playoff series since 2004, which was the last time they were in the Stanley Cup Finals. 
Joel, just finally, can I just ask you uh, the participation of Russian hockey players uh, in the NHL? Has that been questioned when you look at what's going on around the world? So far, it has not been questioned. There is a lot of Russian talent in the NHL and some really exciting players. So there's no way the NHL is going to want to um, get rid of these players who have actually just been stateside for the or in Canada for the entire year. So I think there is a, a bit of a separation between the Russian politics right now and these Russian players. And if you like exciting hockey, it is good to have these, these players on display. Well, Dr. Joel, uh, thank you very much. Dr. Joel Rindelab, thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, really enlightening for a lot of our listeners, myself included. Uh, look forward to the NHL playoffs towards the Stanley Cup uh, with uh, a great deal more education. Thank you for your time. Yeah, happy to help out, and uh, let's get ready for some ice hockey. Let's do that. Let's do that. Uh, it's 9.46 here on SENZ, uh, and uh, that was Dr. Joel Rindelob. Uh, out of uh, the NHL and all his knowledge coming to pass here across the board. A lot of matchups. We'll keep an eye on that uh, because our producer, Logan Swinkles, is an ice hockey naffy. It's as simple as that. Time for a break. Your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And it's 9.51, time for a bit of a sports roundup. Actually, John Rahm has a one-shot lead, teeing off the 18th, just hit in the rough um, in the Mexico Open. So uh, it's a par five, makes five or better. He wins the Mexico Open. Lydia Ko bogeyed the first hole this morning, uh, but has since birdied. So she's two shots off the pace. Uh, Megan Kang leads uh, from as an American with nine under. Lydia Ko at this stage, having played four holes, is seven under. And the New Zealand... Women's seven team. Now, Golden Girls are in the final. First time back in the competition, and they are in the finals against Australia due to kick off just before midday New Zealand time. So we'll keep you updated on all those stories as well um, as a multi before 10 o'clock uh, when we head into the news with Araha. But uh, that's what we'll do, uh, a multi, and we'll review the weekend's one at that. Local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, we went close last uh, Friday. In fact, over the weekend, the Rabbitohs beat the Seagulls. Yep, the Chiefs beat the Reds just. Dallas Mavericks uh, just beat the Utah Jazz, but have uh, got their way through to the next round of the playoffs. And uh, Parramatta Eels succumbed to the Cowboys. The Cowboys, a very strong start. The Eels never really in it. And so that one uh, was the one that let us down. So missed out there today. Uh, let's head back into the NBA, where the Miami Heat are playing the 76ers, and they're pretty warm favourites win game one at a dollar thirty one. I think we'll take that. Uh, the Rajasthan Royals to beat the Kolkata Knight Riders. Yes, betting against Baz here. Uh, that's a buck seventy three. Do not think Baz or Stephen Fleming will be hanging around for the playoffs in the IPL this time around. Uh, they've got a lot of ground to make up. Things are just not going well for their particular franchises this year. So the Rajasthan Royals for me to beat the KKR tonight. And in the Madrid Tennis Open. In the ATP side of things, the men's draw Alex de Menor from Australia to beat Martinez at a buck fifty-six. 
and that will realise you $3.53, and that's a nice sort of a way to start the week. Uh, John Rahm is around about 150 metres out. Uh, he had to hack his ball out of the rough. It's a par five, so he's going to get up uh, and down with uh, three shots, and he will be the champion at the Mexico Open. Uh, the NBL started over the, uh, the weekend, of course, uh, started the other night with uh, our Otago Nuggets getting uh, knocked over by the Nelson Giants. Well, uh, all those teams were in action again over the weekend. And the, the good news is uh, that we're going to have uh, Casey Frank to talk us through it. Now, Casey, of course, with Andrew Mulligan, called uh, games over the weekend, so he's perfectly placed to give us an update there. And speaking of that, uh, Lydia Coe still two behind uh, and the women's, yes, the women's uh, sevens team, our Golden Girls, are going for gold again. Uh, first place in their first tournament back in Langford. Uh, that will come up just before midday against Australia. 10 o'clock here on SENZ. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 10.03 here on SENZ and it's time to talk basketball now on the Sales NBL. The New Zealand uh, National League kicked off, uh, well tipped off I should say on Thursday night uh, with uh, the Otago Nuggets getting knocked over by the Nelson Giants in Nelson. Uh, back that up, uh, the Otago Nuggets with a 79-75 loss uh, to the Canterbury Rams on Saturday. Uh, to join us, uh, Joining us now to talk our, our way through it, as we look in review mode, I suppose, uh, is Casey Frank. Casey, good morning to you. Good morning to you as well, Ian. Thanks for having me. Uh, no problem at all, man. Uh, love your input on, on the basketball. Need your knowledge uh, daily. And first of all, can we talk about uh, the Otago Nuggets, uh, who had a doubleheader over the weekend? We've got a vested interest, of course, um, heavily <laughs> involved with the side. Uh, but uh, two losses for them to start the season. Um, I think a slight improvement in the second performance, fair to say? Yeah, I think a a little bit better in the first one. Uh, The Nuggets are unfortunately a victim of timing. Uh, They've got uh, a lot of their squad left to come in, a couple of imports left to play, and I don't think there's a team in the competition this year that's going to be depending on its starting five as much as the Nuggets. So you go into a game, don't have your full contingent of players. Uh, They got jumped on by the Nelson Giants, who uh, has had a full team that's been a really lengthy preseason working together with an experienced team. So that one jumped all over him. And in game two, we saw a, a little bit of a better performance, in particular from Sam Timmons, who really did get his lunch handed to him by uh, Trey Morning third in game one. But mm-hmm. he backed up to that, came out with 24 points and 17 rebounds, and nearly carried the Nuggets back into that one. But uh, the backing up on the doubleheader was just a bit too much for a team that's a bit under strength at the moment at this point in the season. Uh, were you happy with the, the attendance overall at the, the weekend, Casey, from what you saw? Yeah, I think uh, at this point in the season, uh, I don't know if the NBL has gotten quite ramped up into its full marketing mode. Uh, I attended the Tuatara game on the shore, which we had a reasonable crowd for uh, there. I, I think uh, as the season goes on and they really get it pushed into schools, uh, as the schools come back and we get the kids coming around, I think it'll be a bit more likely to see that increase. But, you know, at that last weekend of the, the school holidays, I think it's always t- a little bit difficult for people to plan out what they're doing with the kids. They're prepping to get the kids back into school. So we're hoping as the season goes along, more will turn up. But plenty of fans were out. We had some great uh, highlights that were cited by a lot of the crowd out there. And all, all, all reports from across the league were happy customers leaving those doors. 
Well, let's uh, start or stay with uh, Tuatara because, of course, newly named franchise this time around. Um, you can't be much more impressive than 92-59 over the Taranaki years. You called that game with Mull. Um, did you like what you saw about Tuatara? Yeah, I was impressed. Uh, another team that's still got a couple of guys to come. Uh, they're expecting Dan Foku from the U.S. college system, uh, as well as an import uh, on the wing or guard spot. Possibly not sure quite sure who's that going to be, but mightily impressive on the day. Uh, the combination of 14 feet of big with Chris Johnson and Rob Lowe looks like it's going to be one of the more formidable front courts in the league. Uh, and because they're so skilled, uh, those two guys completely dominated, dominated the game, uh, scoring 17 points apiece and rebounding 15 and 14 respectively, just really controlling it inside against another big, Ty Winyard, who's expected to have a big season and is a force himself. Uh, they were backed up. I think Dante Russo-Nance had a nice game. The youngster who's uh, sure to be a star of the future, future tall black, uh, possibly in the collegiate system of the States as well. And then Taki Ferenson, who also 17 points. It was a really nice performance by them against the Taranaki team, who also unfortunately didn't quite have its imports yet, was always going to be tough, but they look much improved from a season ago. Rob Lowe's a bit of a... I look at Rob Lowe and I, I follow a bit of basketball, and I just kind of waiting for Rob Lowe to stamp himself on something. Is this a chance this time in this league? Oh, certainly. I, you know, I think uh, Rob's issues around, you know, not being a superstar player that he does what the coaches ask him to do. Uh, you know, he's been in New Zealand, back in New Zealand playing for the Breakers for the last couple of years, and I think he's had some troubles trying to fit into Coach Dan Shamir's system when they're not really sure about what they're trying to get from him. But I think what we saw in this game is uh, the last couple of years with the Breakers have been forced out on the perimeter, but he was really dominant inside the post for, for, for this one, really getting the ball deep post position, scoring with both hands down low. And that's not something we've seen as much from him. Uh, on top of that, I think when you pair him with Chris Johnson, uh, that's going to enable one of those guys to always be facing a player that they're going to have a big size and strength advantage on. And coupled with those two things, I think we're going to see a huge season from Rob Lowe. Okay, the Taranaki is then having got that pace thing turned around and uh, gave the Manawatu two jets a, a decent old go yesterday as well. 78 57, uh, Winyard and Roger dominant there. Yeah, I, I think Ty Winyard's going to have a really good season. Uh, I'm really pleased to see the shape that he's come in. He's had a bit of a struggle since he's come back from Kentucky in the American collegiate system to really find his rhythm and do what he wants to do on the basketball court. But the best shape of his career, looking good, the, the recruitment of Richie Roger from uh, down south is going to be extremely helpful for this team. They needed some shooting. They needed some scoring on the perimeter. Uh, and they, they did just I look like a, a much more well-drilled side versus the Jets yesterday down in Palmerston North. Uh, they were able to really execute all over. They had a 20-point lead from the majority of the game. And, you know, that's backing up in less than 24 hours from the game before they had to get down there. So, Considering all those factors, I think Taranaki is going to be extremely pleased uh, the way they mentally bounce back and looks like uh, a team that's much more dedicated to the defensive side of the basketball coming into the season. Southland Sharks, super impressive. Biggest score of the weekend, uh, giving the Wellington Saints 117-81 hiding there, Casey. Yeah, the, we'll, we'll call those the baby saints. Uh, uh, they, unfortunately, did not have their entire starting lineup uh, because of guys finishing in Australia and still working through their visa processes for some uh, North American players. So when you don't have your, your top five, it's going to be tough to get a win. Uh, they went out there, they fought valiantly, 
But my guess is only a couple of those guys who played for the Saints are actually going to feature in Guy Malloy's rotation this year. Uh, that being said, the Sharks look good. Uh, they came in. They weren't uh, overly physically dominant, but they executed really nicely. They were getting the shots they wanted. And the addition of the seven foot two center, uh, Gil Romero, is going to be an excellent find for them. They needed that extra size down low. Uh, that's something they were missing last year with uh, Alex Pledger's shock cancer diagnosis. So they didn't have a footer they expected for the entire season. Their offense is based around that. They still snuck in the playoffs, but now that they've got the size they needed, they've been able to surround their local talent with the players that they think can elevate them to that next level. And once again, the Sharks are hunting, hunting for championships in the water. Just with what you're saying, did the season start two weeks soon, or was that unavoidable with all these sides under strength? Well, uh, one of the things that we, we, we actually did push the season back about a month with the, the, uh, the recommendations from the government with when we'd be able to get fans in for COVID. Uh, but unfortunately for New Zealand, that's just the, the New Zealand League. It's just one of the, the things you have to deal with. A lot of our talent comes back from the, uh, the Australian NBL. Uh, those, the, those guys uh, who finished the season and had a lot of playing time, they normally just take a week or two uh, to get their, their legs back, just recuperate a little bit. So it can't really be helped there. And unfortunately, with the, the way we've been trying to get some of our import talent, guys who aren't New Zealand citizens, into the country, uh, with, with the, the mass of visas that they're trying to get through at, the, at this point in time, it yeah. was difficult. Now that's all changed. I think is up today, so you can come for, through a, a visa, a visa waiver countries you can get through. But it was just a, a part of the timing with the way, the way things were going. It was just difficult to get players in. Uh, after this first second week, we should have full full strength watches from now. But that's also something some of the teams had to plan for. You know, uh, a lot of guys did chase cup players that they didn't think they could get in because they wanted these early season wins. The other teams, not as concerned about it, think they're going to make up for it on the back end. Still a relatively new uh, franchise, the Franklin Bulls. Uh, they took uh, their squad on the road to uh, down here to Hawke's Bay, actually, and came away with a pretty narrow loss, but uh, points on the road, very valuable. Well, uh, yeah, they actually went down to the Bay and got the victory. Uh, so, so a huge win for the Bulls on the road uh, against a Hawks Bay team that many people have uh, touted for the championship. Uh, this is a team that just barely dropped it in the finals to Wellington last year. They revamped with a fully Kiwi roster. Uh, not, not quite 100% there yet as they're waiting to hire him Harris uh, and Jared Kenny to come back from the Kansas top fans. But for the Franklin Bulls, this is a team that a year ago was all offense, no defense. Uh, with, without waiting on Corey Webster to return from his season in Egypt, another all-Kiwi lineup went in there, defended really well, and showed some of the young players that they've recruited from around the country to come back to the Auckland area are really going to perform, uh, led by Anzac Rosetta, who was kind of Nelson last year. The South Aucklander came up and had a brilliant performance over 20 points, really dominating down low, and just was too much of a physical force for the Hawks to contend with. Uh, on the NBA side of things, uh, Casey, Bucks too strong for the Celtics today. Um, at this point, as we speak, the Golden State uh, just ahead of Memphis uh, by four points with 3.49 to go on the clock. So what are we expecting out of those two uh, particular matchups? Well, uh, it was really interesting coming into the Celtics game uh, uh, versus the Bucks because the Celtics looked so strong against New Jersey. Uh, they really looked like they were a dominant defense. And then now what we've seen from today is that the true dominant force in the NBA is Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> that guy is unstoppable. 
<laughs> didn't have his all-star wing uh, to, to help him out and get some buckets there. Minus one starter, still went into Boston, quieted the crowd, and, and just showed that he is possibly the most dominant physical force in basketball today, and the Celtics do not have an answer for him. I do think the Celtics will bounce back and make it a series, but Milwaukee's stolen whole court from them, uh, and that was a big thing for the Celtics coming in. They're going to have to find some answers, uh, and, and none of them are going to be easy against the defending champs. And then when you look at what the uh, Golden State's doing yeah. right now, we're tied up with three minutes to go. We just saw a free throw go. I've got that one on in the back because, of course, i got to watch it. But uh, we, we saw uh, the ejection earlier of Draymond Green. So the, for the Warriors to be able to come in and maybe steal one on the road is a testament to how well they're playing offensively. Uh, for me, they're playing the best basketball in the Western Conference right now and are looking like a favorite to get to the finals. What about on the other side of the draw? Yeah, we've got the, the Suns are, are popping up uh, with their first game coming up against the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic has been fantastic uh, since he's returned from injury. Uh, the Suns, however, are so clinical down the stretch. The way they perform in the clutch with Chris Paul leading the way has been uh, really dominant all season. Uh, I think whoever comes out of that series looks like the Suns to me was going to have their hands filled with who comes out from the other side because – both Memphis and the Warriors are playing top-flight basketball right now. If we look at the uh, Aussie NBL as well, Casey, which uh, I know you've got a, a real interest in as well, as we all have, because the breakers have been disappointing. But uh, there's been a real romantic story and a, a solid story as well with Tasmania, the Jack Jumpers. Uh, they lost to Melbourne in Game 1. They turned around and uh, reversed that result in Game 2, 79-72. The other side, it looks like the Sydney Kings are perhaps going to get through there. Yeah, Sydney clinched that, that one last night, got through with a sweep. Uh, they're playing the best basketball in the competition right now. To win in Illawarra, go on the road and beat a Gorgian, Brian Gorgian coach team is, is quite the feat uh, to steal one of them, put them, sweep them out. They look like the title favorite. They had a huge winning streak during the season over 10-plus games. They're playing the best defensive basketball in the competition. But the Jack Jumpers, uh, for me, is really the story of the season. Uh, you know, having played in the Aussie NBL, as uh, on a couple of expansion franchises, the Breakers' first season, I also took part in the Gold Coast Blazers' first season. Uh, I understand how difficult that is to go out and actually form a willing culture and get it implemented right off the bat in the first of the season. So for them to come down, start off, didn't have the best start to the season, were uh, under 500, 10 games in, but turned that around. Coach Scott Roth has done a fantastic job of getting the guys to come and buy in. The entire of Tasmania is supporting that team with a, with a lot of fervor. They're really excited about it. And to take the defending champs down to the third game in the three-game series, which they've got to go back to Melbourne and try and get it done up there, which is a tougher thing. But regardless of what happens with that win or loss, I, I think the season has been an unmitigated success for the Jack Jumpers. Casey, Frank, always great to catch up with you, mate. Uh, fantastic to get your reflection across the board on basketball over the weekend and I uh, look forward to a, another chat again shortly. Thanks, thanks, Casey. Appreciate Sounds it. Sounds good. If those balls are bouncing, I'm, I'll be watching. <laughs> yeah, I know you will. I know you will. And that, uh, that Golden State game sounds like it's going to be a, a classic uh, finish to that as we head towards uh, the end of uh, the fourth quarter. It is 10-18 here on SENZ. That was Casey Frank. That was basketball. Next, we have the panel. Uh, this morning, we've got a number of things to talk to. Uh, after a, a pretty we busy weekend of sport, of course, Jamie Wall and James Regan will be with us shortly. Local Polaris dealer today. 
Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Jamie Wall and James Regan join us this morning on the panel. And James, uh, can I start with you, please, and those wonderful warriors. I mean, let's just forget all about that pasting from the storm because, man, a lot of people said they'd bounce back. There were a lot of doubters, but they got it done in the end. Yeah, they just they keep it going, and they, they just go from the sublime to ridiculous, don't they? It was great that they got the win, um, great that the way they did it as well because last year they probably... They, they would have faded in that game. I think the Raiders probably would have overpowered them a bit, but they got it done. It'll be great for their confidence to get that win and, as I say, the way they did it. But, uh, yeah, there's still a bit of work to do, but to come back from a from leaking 70 points like they did on Anzac Day, um, yeah, it, it's great. It's great to see, and hopefully they can kick on. Yeah, we were feeling sorry for Nathan Brown, and, I mean, no one wears his heart on his sleeve more than Ricky Stewart. And uh, while he stepped down quite calmly from his coach's box, you could kind of see the, the, the smoke just starting to come out of his ears. Yeah, I think he summed the game up best when he, he said something like, I'm glad they were as bad as we were, or, or something similar. It was, it was um, a crazy game, which is why we keep coming back to watch. Um, but yeah, poor old Ricky, I mean... Man, they, they've not had the rub of the green this year. I don't think the Raiders, they, they've come up with a couple of um, couple of games they probably look back on and, and know they could have won. But that's what makes the game so exciting. And, and for Warriors fans, it'll be great. Um, you know, SJ again coming up pretty clutch, which is great. That's why they brought him back to the club. Keep going back to, to that point. It's, it's why they brought him back. He's such a key cog. And he didn't have a great game. I think he'd probably be the first to say that, but... Um, he got it done, and, and two points is really at this stage of the season, especially all that matters. But yeah, poor old, poor old Ricky. James, what, James, what did you make of the uh, performance of uh, Dejan Asi first up? Yeah, yeah, really good. I think it was it's been well highlighted, and a great bit of business as well to to see he was available to pick him up. He's a young Kiwi lad. I'm sure we've all seen the picture of him uh, in the stands as a young ten year old Warrior fan kind of waving the flag and looking out and now he's back and, and you know it's a great it's a great story he's certainly held his own uh, Nathan Brown spoke after the match about it. he wouldn't have had any time to do any training or any kind of combinations and to just go in and, and slide in there uh, he didn't look out of place at all so it was really good to see and, and yeah a great a great pickup from the club as well so they should be uh, commended on that for kind of taking that opportunity especially off the back of it looks like Ash Taylor won't be playing again so to get someone like that in um yeah, it's a great bit of business. Jamie Wall, good morning to you. And uh, it's the Monday after a weekend of realisation that uh, we might not be as crash hot against Australia as we thought that we were. Is that the way you see it? Uh, or was that just uh, an anomaly weekend? Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Uh, good morning, Jamie. Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I remember the last time we chatted, I remember saying that I've seen enough bad rugby out of the Hurricanes and Highlanders uh, so far this year to, and enough good rugby out of the Brumbies and Reds um, to, to see that the, those teams would, were, you know, would be quite close when they, when they played each other. Uh, I, I, ca- I can't say I predicted that um, Crusaders uh, result, uh, even though that's not actually uh, that, that uh, um, 
far away from what happened in uh, 2018 uh, when the Crusaders rested a whole bunch of players and the Waratahs came out and um, stunned them uh, in that game, just like they did on Saturday night. But um, I think that if there's one surprise this year, it has been the Waratahs uh, with a very young squad. Um, doesn't have as many big names as they usually do over their history that they've come out and been uh, quite the um, quite the power in, in the Australian competition. But, yeah, I, I think that... Uh, there's some definite problems uh, at the Hurricanes, uh, and they were showing up uh, in that game yesterday afternoon. Um, one of the main one being uh, lack of consistency in selection, uh, which is which is something that I think is a is something that New Zealand rugby fans are probably wondering about the All Blacks uh, right now. Um, and in terms of like just how. Uh, whether it's a New Zealand playing badly thing or an Australian playing well thing, it's, it's probably a combination of both. Um, both of the games on Friday were pretty forgettable, and um, the, the, the poorer that uh, the standard of play is, the more it's going to suit um, the Australians. Is it the sign that uh, the campaigns are sort of getting on a bit? You know, you've got to remember that we've been going now for quite a while, uh, and the, you know the, the New Zealand teams are into a spot of having to rest and rotate um, their players. So there's a bit of that as well. Um, I think on the whole that you're seeing uh, the Brumbies um, in particular, uh, you know, you would have to have have underestimated them at your peril because they're stacked full of really good players. Uh, And like I said last time, there are good Australian players across the teams. And if they have a good day and the New Zealand teams have a bad day, uh, there's not too much of a gap that the New Zealand teams are going to be able to um, uh, close up on that. If you look at the Brumbies, and one of the things we talked about uh, this morning with Jim Kayes is uh, the fact of the matter is uh, our coaches need to take a good long look at themselves as well because the tactics are obviously getting very predictable. Our discipline side of things is not poor, so what are we teaching in terms of tackling strategies and techniques, etc.? Uh, but uh, the Brumbies are coached by Dan McKellen. Now, if there was a successor um, at the moment, you would think to Dave Rennie, not that there has to be at the moment, but uh, it would be Dan McKellar. And, of course, Laurie Fish has been around since the arc. Uh, the Brumbies are well stacked there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I don't really understand this uh, conversation about why there needs to be a successor put in place for Dave Rennie right now. He's only been in the job for, what, two seasons. Uh, and he's the sort of guy that they want to keep in there for at least another couple of World Cup cycles. So... I, I'm not sure why. I, I guess it's the Australian media just looking for a story and pitting McKellar against Brad Thorne uh, in that space uh, just to kind of generate some headlines. But to me, it, it's, it's a, it's a, there's no, there is no story. Rennie's in no danger of losing his job or leaving. So, um, yeah, not sure really why we're even sort of talking about that. Mm. But at the same time, I will say one thing about Dan McKellar. He, sla- he's, he slaved away with uh, sort of a a bit of a battler side for a while, and he's finally now um, getting the results out of a team that is, has kind of shifted away, I think, from what we understand as, as traditional Brumbies rugby, which is uh, you know, quite tight, uh, pretty conservative. Uh, and they've got some really good outside backs that they're using, um, and we're seeing a lot of good tries uh, out of them. And they do have uh, one of the better home ground advantages uh, in in Super Rugby, which is uh, you know their, their stadium in Canberra, because let's face it, who who wants to go to Canberra and play there? Uh, and uh, they're only getting 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 stronger. So, like I said before, um, they're a really impressive side, and I'm really interested to see how they're going to go uh, for the rest of the season. 
Jamie Wall and James Regan are with us this morning on the panel. We will take a short break for the news. When we come back, uh, look at perhaps um, women's rugby. Our Black Ferns are uh, back where they belong in finals action. Um, and also uh, we might have a chat to James about uh, what's happening in golf around the world this morning because we have two players in severe in severe contention. Stephen Olker leading with six holes to go. Lydia Ko co-leading with about nine holes to go. So... Uh, could be more golfing glory, Kiwi golfing glory, which is cool, considering we don't have that many participants on those uh, PGA tours, respectively, around the world. Here's Ottawa with the 10.31 edition of the news. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Jamie Wall, James Regan with us this morning. And uh, James, not surprising, really, that uh, the women's black ferns have got up to speed that quickly, uh, that... In the grand final against Australia, very shortly their first first tournament back, and uh, what what they say about uh, class is permanent. Uh, simply that does apply to them, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's so good to see after everything that's kind of gone on over the past few months um, with the Blackburns 15s to see the sevens girls get up and, and just straight away kind of assert their dominance. It's really cool. Um, really good build-up for the Commonwealth Games, which I know they were um, they were talking about a bit before they left, and just getting on the road again. It's, you know, it's a huge part of their their lives is just being on the circuit and playing and going to all these these cool places. And to see them finally get back out there after a couple of years away um, because of COVID, and and to to yeah hit the ground running. Portia Woodman as well. How amazing is she? One ambassador for the for, for New Zealand rugby as well, um, reaching that milestone. So. Yeah, great to see, and a team we can all get behind. It's really cool. And what I like about the appointment of Alan Bunting, uh, Jamie Waller, which was uh, announced a little earlier last week, uh, was because the exact area they've put him in seems to still be exuding from the sevens. That culture, um, you know, that that leadership, which is quite clear within that sevens group. Uh, Sarah Hirdini is just fantastic in that role. And it doesn't matter how far or how long away you are from that particular group, as soon as you step back in it, it's just situation normal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just quickly, just want to echo what Jimmy just mentioned there. Uh, Portia Woodman, what a player. Uh, ha- ha- has to go down as one of our greatest players, New Zealand rugby's greatest players of all time. Um, you know, she is probably getting on uh, a-, a wee bit, but... Seeing her in action today uh, just goes to show that, you know, the pace is still there, um, the power is still there, and uh, to cross for 200 tries, uh, that is just an absolutely phenomenal uh, achievement for the Black Ferns team. So well done to Portia. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Um, the environment that and culture that was created uh, and then bought into um, by that team and by Alan Bunting and, that, and the, the staff uh, that they had around them, uh, is clearly uh, so easily adaptable and such a big part of not just the team but the actual players' lives uh, themselves, obviously. Um, and just seeing these social media comments that have been put out by some of the key players about how just relieved they are to be back doing their jobs and representing their country and just getting back to normality, which for them is to step on a Simmons field and win, uh, and that is the reality of, of, what, of what their lives are, is, is incredibly uh, refreshing because it's so professional um, and it's also so, so fulfilling, not just for them, um, but for all the rest of us as well. Um, 
bit of an asterisk though about the Blackford Sevens and their success, I have to say, is that obviously now the focus for this team um, and its key players is on the Commonwealth Games and the Sevens World Cup. And this is going to have a knock-on effect uh, for the women's 15-a-side uh, Rugby World Cup uh, coming up later in the year because you'd have to think now, uh, you know, there are a number of key players that are, are, are probably in line to be doing both. Uh, but where their priorities lie right now, like in terms of what what's winnable, um, and what's uh, you know what they want to get out of this year. So it's, it's kind of an interesting conversation um, to be having uh, because it seems right now that the the more that the Blackfern Sevens uh, do well, it is kind of going to erode the uh, the build up uh, for the Blackfern's Fifteens team, which is obviously you know starting almost again from scratch uh, as we speak. And you weigh that up against the fact that they've got so many match winners, though. That's that's the key thing. Uh, Jamie, I'm not sure if you uh, caught England versus France in the 15s uh, final in the Six Nations. Uh, England, I wouldn't say it was the greatest game of rugby I saw, but I don't think England were ever in danger. They are powerful up front. Yeah, I did watch it, actually. Um, and you're right. Uh, it was uh, it was very much a game of one team playing to their strengths, which is to hold their discipline um, and kick to the corner and do line-out drives and kick the penalties, uh, which, you know, shouldn't come as a surprise to any of us because that's the way the English men have been playing for 150 years, so why wouldn't their women do it? Uh, and I think that they really put a marker down as to, OK, if you want to win this World Cup, because they're clearly the favourites right now, uh, this is what you need to not only uh, come up against, but you need to solve the problem of how do you how do you beat that and at the moment in men's rugby you know this is a big discussion is like oh well line out drives are impossible to defend um they seem to be impossible to defend in women's rugby as well and there's only one team that's really well i I guess france have committed to it as well but if i was wayne smith uh i would be literally spending about 99 percent of my time uh with the ford pack saying figuring out ways of how to stop that happening and the best way to do that is to stop giving away penalties in the first place that give uh, big forward packs like the English um, the sort of field position they need to start launching drives like that. So that's the key one for me uh, and how, how the Black Ferns 15s team is going to uh, possibly be able to beat them um, uh, later in the year. James, I mentioned before, uh, it's been a pretty good weekend for New Zealand golf. Ryan Fox, a top 10 finish. Um, and uh, we're now looking at Lydia Ko, who was uh, sharing the lead with uh, 10 holes to go in the latest LPGA event, and Stephen Alka, who still holds the lead with about four holes to go in the Champions Tour. Boy, we punch above our weight, don't we? Yeah, yeah, and these guys are really starting to have some good form as well, and in in terms of Ryan and Lydia, especially Steve, has has kind of dominated the Champions Tour for a wee while now. Um, which is great. It kind of draws attention to something a bit different in the Champions Tour. Um, but yeah, constantly kind of up there at the moment. Lydia especially, it's great to see her um, back in the, in the top 10 finishes that she's been this year. And she's right up there today. Hopefully she can she can kind of pull something out of the bag and, and kick on for the rest of the year. But yeah, our, our golfers really just making a name for themselves, which is awesome. Well, she's... Uh... Yeah, she's number three in the world now, which is quite incredible because she just disappeared off the face of the earth there for a while, reinvented herself, and, uh, you know, 
even at the tender age or whatever she is now, um, I, f- I forget, it's either 22 or 23, I think. Uh, she just, it's, quite, it's absolutely quite a staggering story, her life story. Um, I, I did want to ask you about this, James. Uh, a lot of talk about refereeing across the board in, in both rugby and league, but I've got to say at the moment, I just, and I'm not sure if it's officiating or skill levels or whatever, I just am constantly finding league an easier game to watch uh, than rugby union. Yeah, well, I'm going to be biased and say it's absolutely the best game to watch. Um, I think we were actually talking about this yesterday. I was talking with um, a few colleagues and, and talking about rugby and the, the line-out drivers, Jamie mentioned, and they were saying ways to kind of combat it. Do we bring in different rules? And it was kind of like the the problem is there's so many rules that people don't understand, whereas I feel, and I might be a little biased, that league is just a little bit simpler. You still get absolute refereeing howlers. And, and league, don't get me wrong, and, and things that you kind of are left scratching your head at, but it's just a simpler kind of concept, which is why I like it, and Jamie will, will have his view as well, but yeah, it, it's with everything that's gone on with red cards and Super Rugby, and this weekend it was actually nice to look at the on-field stuff and, and get some good action there, but it just seems league is, is a simpler game to watch, and it's cut and dry, and people know where they stand, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about the, the refereeing and rugby. You'd have to maybe ask Jamie about that. Well, I will. I will, uh, Jamie, to finish off this morning. Uh, you get more and more frustrated by the weekend. I mean, I, I just I watched the period of when Ben O'Keefe refereed the other night, and in the space of about seven minutes or eight minutes, there was four penalties, one or two runs going resets, and I thought, really? Really? Oh, if we're going to start talking about refereeing, Smith, you're going to need to block out another hour and a half or so, um, <laughs> keep me on the line. But I think just uh, one thing I had identified over the weekend, and, and Jimmy's right, like there's howlers in both codes, uh, but I think um, it's much easier to, to look at uh, refereeing howler. And the, also the NRL are pretty good at going, like, okay, yeah, we got that one wrong. Uh, that shouldn't have been a penalty or that should have been a sinbin or, or whatever because it's pretty... The the ability to look at rugby league rules and go, well, that you know, it's black and white there. Whereas in rugby, there seems to be a grey area and the grey area is perpetuated by the fact that the referees are able to just interpret way more of it uh, than they possibly can. And I think a lot of the frustration is not so much the rules um, themselves. I think that people are just kind of getting used to the idea that there's going to be cards in each game, and I think we've seen the fact that it doesn't actually affect the the product too much uh, at all. Um, there's been some pretty good games uh, where recards have happened. My biggest issue with it is having to listen to four blokes who seem like the most boring people in the world, who you don't want to get stuck next to talking to a party, a bunch of accountants or something, having a boring-ass conversation about something, and it just completely kills the mood. Like, just do what the NRL does. Have a bunker, have a big screen, have someone push a button, and it adds to the excitement and the entertainment. Like, say what you want about the bunker, but it is still exciting. Having, having the referees sit there and just yarn on like they're just a bunch of dudes having a meeting at work is just such a killer. It is such an absolute killer. And that's if it was up to me, that's the one thing I'd change. I don't know how to change it, but I'd change that. Mm. Okay. Hey, Jamie. As you say, it's uh, it's worthy of two or three pints uh, before you even scratch the surface. So we'll do that one day too, you and I. Jamie Wall, thank you very much. James Regan, also thank you very much this morning.
for your views on those particular subjects. Have another panel, same time, tomorrow morning. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 10.49. Uh, Lydia still shares the lead with nine holes to go. Uh, and Stephen Alka has now got a two-shot lead. Uh, he's got five holes to play. Leads from Brent Job from the United States and, of course, Steve Stricker, who uh, just recently a Ryder Cup captain. So uh, he's got two shots on those guys. They will be getting sick of the sight of uh, the little Kiwi, those seasoned, wizened old professionals. He's just gone into town and taken all their money. It's as simple as that. Uh, Brendan has said, uh, I am a sport nuffy, but haven't watched much Super Rugby at all. More league as top players play week in and week out. Such a high standard compared to Union. Rugby's crap due to being so stop-start, not attractive to watch. Top players being rested. I think it's good. Aussie team's pushing us. We will see how good our coaches are after hearing how good we are. I'm worried about the All Blacks who foster, who the, the All Blacks who foster picks and what he can actually do as a coach as I think he's treading water. Watch this space, says Brendan. Dale, not so um, complimentary about the Warriors. Beautiful bottom eight performance by those Warriors, beating a terrible team, missing two players from their first choice spine, and they yet they celebrated like they had won the comp. Uh, I would imagine, yeah, Dale, I get your point about the celebration. I saw that, but I guess it was a massive uh, amount of relief as much as anything else because they couldn't afford to do it all of last week, and all they had to do last week was lick their wounds and see if they had something about them to do something about it well it turns out uh, that they have got a little bit albeit against the side that's struggling probably more than they are uh, Charlie says uh, thanks very much Charlie for this uh, information update Lydia has just turned 25 Lydia Co just turned 25 expected to retire at 30 at 30 so uh, that's what she's looking at but at the moment she's in prime condition playing extremely well and they say Lydia Ko has perhaps in the men's and women's game got the most consistent short game of the whole lot. Incredible compliment that. It is 10.52 when we return a Louis Herman White for a good old chin wag about some racing. Thanks to the SCNZ app, I've been tuning in at all hours of the day. From Izzy to Ricardo, what a roster we have on SCNZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. TheLoveRacing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. <laughs> it is uh, 10.57 here on SCNZ, and it is time to catch up with uh, Louis Herman Watt. Uh, as we look back at uh, the weekend, a uh, pretty big day at Tarapa there. Uh, Butcher Castle's uh, in his best bib and tucker after a big day on Friday. Uh, fronting up doing his job and so too did uh, to elicit for the punters as she said goodbye and Bonnie Lass as well which means Louis Herman Watt I would imagine this morning has got pockets full. Oh, I wouldn't say pockets full Smithy but I'd, I'd say we, we made a profit um, which is good it's always the aim of the game and yeah no you're right some some great racing Look, it's always funny with Tarapa. It is a great track, and I really do respect the track, and I'm not going to use any of those words like bias or anything, but what you just need to realise, and, and the weather has been unseasonally warm through the Waikato. Let's point that out and around it. The track is firm, and you just don't want to back anything that's not in the first five turning for home. 
And when I say the first five, really, you want to work out who the first one or two is going to be. And that's just the reality. When you when you're punting on a day like Saturday, you watched it, and by the end of the by the end of the day, the market was giving you a great lead on those on pace runners. Now, with that in mind, what Bonnie Lass did. You know, is Bonnie Lass potentially a railway horse, Smithy? Next next year, is she a mm. railway? Like that, that filly is seriously fast, and she is tough. Well, she put them to bed, didn't she? I mean, she put them to bed conclusively at the weekend. It wasn't too bad a field, I hasten to add as yeah. well. And then the answer, your first answer, yes, clearly, clearly strong enough with another year of growth. Yeah, I fully, fully agree. I really do think that. And um, she was. She was just put them to the sword. It was really cool. And it was a really even field as well. Uh, and look, to Alyssa, brilliant ride by Michael McNabb. Took luck out of it. She was the best horse racing on the day. She got her send off. And it was great to see. Punters obviously spotted that one. They didn't think she'd have an issue getting near the pace. And she didn't. Are uh, you excited for the Queensland Carnival, Smithy? I am excited for the Queensland Carnival. Uh, it's noted that some there's some pretty good racing at Morfittville over the weekend. Queensland, yes, I absolutely look forward to Queensland filling that gap after, uh, of course, Sydney comes in. Uh, I I uh, I just wonder too for Sydney. They, I mean, they just need their tracks to dry out big time, don't they? Goodness me, across the board, wherever you are around the New South Wales, they're sodden. I spoke to Bjorn Baker on the mail run on Saturday morning, and he's just like like many trainers, kind of like I don't know what to do. <laughs> Can't find a track for so many of my horses. It's um, yeah, it's a real head scratcher. Trainers have a hard time at the best of it, Smithy. You know this, but when the tracks are that wet and trying to map when you've got a big stable races for your horses, that's really tough. So they are doing it pretty hard over there in New South Wales. It is uh, coming up to eleven o'clock. Thanks very much, Louis. Uh, problems for Lydia Co. She's about to fall two behind with eight holes to go. Not good for our girl. Uh, it's time for our other girl, Arawa, and the 11 o'clock news. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Walsh knocks it over. All locked up. Bound for golden points seemingly. 20 apiece here at Redcliffe. Sean Johnson steps around Horsburgh and makes sure of it. Johnson's done it again at Redcliffe. Back-to-back wins at this venue in golden point for the Warriors. They're loving life. Well, a lot of people did predict they'd come back and be better than they were against the Storm the week before, but uh, I don't think a lot of people predicted they'd actually get up on that uh, woeful performance, but they did. And does that not sum up the Warriors in a nutshell in the space of eight days? Quite incredible. Sean Johnson providing uh, that uh, very, very neatly taken drop goal. Uh, He did it with ease, and uh, they were jubilant. We're jubilant too because we've got uh, Andrew Voss back in his normal slot on a Monday morning to look at the NRL over the weekend. And uh, Vossi, yep, they're great, those Warriors, aren't they? <laughs> Smitty, good morning. Well, look, a win's a win. You take winning over losing. And when you've been beaten 70 points to 10 the previous week, I say there is some credit because, you know, it is a, a regrouping week. I will say on the field goal, I mean, Sean Johnson must have thought, dead set, this is Christmas. You know, to only have one bloke coming out on a field goal charge down yeah. first minute of Golden Point, Sean Johnson's going to step. I was shouting from a lounge room, Sean's going to step him. <laughs> and of course he stepped him and just yeah. regrouped and couldn't believe that no one... When you saw the lower ground, um, the low ground or ground level replay, 
the looks on the Canberra face, I think it was Adam Elliott, he suddenly then reacted at the last second like, no, boys, you missed your chance. You can't have... It was the same on Darren Lockyer back in the day. If you ever went up on Darren Lockyer on kick pressure, you go one out, he just steps you every time. Sean Johnson, of course, is going to step Corey Horsburgh. And then, you know, just set himself, kick the field goal, and um, the Warriors get a win. And, you know, I know the Warriors will probably think, well, you know, we've got some issues, got some problems. But, boy, there's... Um, there's five teams sitting down on four points now at the bottom of the ladder. Um, you know, you look at your Newcastle and your, your likes of the Titans and that. They've got serious issues. The Warriors have got at least a little four and four base to build from um, through eight rounds of the season. Well, I mean, the whole weekend uh, was highlighted really by the fact that the Broncos got up and beat the Sharks 16-7. Uh, and that went against the grain for a lot of people. Oh, of course, yeah. No, that's an upset. I mean, Cronulla were... And, and I still don't think it's the end. I'm not saying that uh, their form's fake on the back of that one loss. The Cronulla's form's been the real deal. It was just, for whatever reason, um, a, a poor night. And there's a long way to go for Brisbane. But what we did see was something we haven't seen from them for a couple of seasons, and that was re- resilience. I mean, they kept Cronulla scoreless in the second half. They had to do a lot of goal-line defence, and they found a way, you know. They found a way to win, which, you know, they've just found ways to lose for, for two years. So that's, that's really encouraging for Brisbane, a very, very much uh, a well-deserved win. And on the back of two, uh, the growing confidence to be back in rugby league and contact at that level of Tamari Martin, who set up uh, Stags uh, for that stunner in the corner. Oh, one of the best one of the best stories in rugby league at the moment, really, and and particularly when it revolves around one of the big, you know, uh, injury issues in the game, and that's concussions. The fact that uh, tomorrow, Martin, and I must say, I'm not quite in depth. I mean, I don't know what the last advice, but he's been given the clearance he's playing, and we wish him well for you know for for the rest of his um his playing days. But yeah, he's a terrific young man. I think if you've had anything to do with him, you you instantly got a great impression of this young fella and we're all very sad that his career was cut short and now he's back and he's a, a winner winner chicken dinner took a while for the Panthers to show their uh, their dominance uh, came in the second half but up until that point the Titans had caused them some problems yeah it was um it was I'd rather than say look Penrith off I'd rather say no credit to the Titans they actually did have a bit of a crack but there's their attacks lost their way. They just don't quite have it. And you're not going to find your best attacking form against one of the best defences in the league in the Panthers. Um, but the Panthers just know how to win. There was no panic. Um, you know, I've uh, step up Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai in the second half. You know, key players in some big moments took their chances. Um, and, and that's pretty much where, where it was won. And um, Penrith, eight from eight. Uh, it's uh, It's a... A very impressive achievement. What well, both Penrith and Melbourne are doing in this competition. They are two outstanding sides, and it's the job of everyone else to try and you know come to their standard. Problems for Des Hasler, uh, beaten forty to twenty-two by the Rabbitohs, were the Sea Eagles, including a, le- uh, a red card for Carl Lawton, which caused a little bit of debate. What was your take on it? Well, I have it as a send-off. It's, it's, we were saying on my breakfast show here in Sydney this morning, it's, I can't remember where we've had an incident that the two broadcasters in Australia, Channel 9, with the likes of Phil Gould and Billy Slater and Brad Fittler, um, are all no send-off. And all the commentators on Fox League, your, your Greg Alexander, your Michael Ennis, were all send-off. And I joined that. I, I thought send-off. It was um, so opposing view. And fans divided as well. But I think one-on-one dangerous tackle, send-off offence... Uh, and has taken the early plea. Let's not, 
you know, hide from that, he's taken a four-week suspension. So it's a fair whack out. And I say, rather than, you know, go through the... I say, well done to the referee, as long as that's the benchmark and it's going to happen again, um, that, uh, that the send-off is in place. Because the next day we had a two-man dangerous tackle in the Warriors game, Jack Whiten. Now, the, the, the consequence was the same for the ball carrier. He ended in the same position as Cameron Murray. But there wasn't even a sin bin for that. And now Jack Whitener's facing, like, he got a grade two charge for that, just a little under Carl Lawton. We've, we've got to get some clarity there. Just because there's two in the tackle, the match re, uh, the uh, bunker has to be smarter and say, well, no, the, the bloke doing the tipping is the most responsible in that tackle. He needs to be, you know, put in the sin bin at the very least. Jack Whiten should have been in the sin bin for his role in that tackle, but it's subsequently seen him charged, and we'll see him miss at least two weeks of footy. Just going back to uh, the Warriors games and uh, one of the real good performances uh, from uh, our point of view over here was uh, the fact that uh, Dejan Asi was uh, gifted a chance to get back uh, into his NRL career and he, he seemed to take it pretty accomplishedly. Yeah, it was a lovely photo, wasn't it, um, that came around um, last week of him as a young boy uh, supporting the Warriors with the flag. Look, he's he's shown touches of, you know, he, he's, he's worth investing in. Uh, and obviously now there was a few roadblocks there at the Cowboys. They're looking pretty settled, and he probably had a pretty, um, a, a bit mixed, he would have felt, in the off-season. The fact that they signed Tom Dearden, and they signed Chad Townsend, and they got Scott Drinkwater, you know, and they're, they're right for fullbacks. He probably wondered where he was going to fit in, and it sort of made him, you know, pinch hitter in the centres and that sort of thing. Well, it's all part of the journey into becoming a first-grade player, I reckon he is worth investing in. I'm not saying he's a champion or anything like that, but I'd be prepared to put a little bit of time into him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's look at uh, time that's got to be put in, and that probably uh, incorporates the Eels this week with Brad Arthur um, looking at a pretty woeful performance where uh, they were just completely and utterly done by uh, North Queensland Cowboys. 35-4. It was a pace thing. Never in it. Uh, no, they, um, yeah, well, their only try was what with 15 minutes to go and the Cowboys, you know, I thought started the game pretty well, handled the conditions a bit better. There was always going to be drop ball up in Darwin. It's, 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 it's conditions foreign to the NRL in particular at this time of the year, but, um, absolutely. But Parramatta to go from 39 to two the previous week against Newcastle, albeit, you know, Newcastle pretty Mm -hmm. timid opposition to go to almost having the same happen to them. You you do have to ask a question or, or put it this way. It keeps the question mark hanging over Parramatta. Just when you think, you know, golden point against Melbourne and some good performances, then they throw in this one. This doesn't happen to Melbourne. This doesn't happen to Penrith. So just when you thought, is it going to be the year? You know, they haven't won since 86 and that. Well, a game like that puts the doubters back in there. It almost takes them back to square one again. All right, reestablish your credentials again. So... Um, not helped by injury at the moment. There is a fair list that that is granted, um, and a lot of controversy around well moving Dylan Brown out of five eight to centre. Well, Dylan Brown plays five eight the other night. Does it make a difference? Well, I think they're better served with Dylan Brown at five eight. But it wasn't the fault of Jacob Arthur or that positional switch that had them beaten the other night. There, it just wasn't um, the Parramatta. Uh, like they, they were half of what they are at their best uh, in Darwin, and, and, and a committed Cowboys uh, put them to the sword. Uh, interesting result uh, over the weekend too was uh, on the back of Phil Gould taking over from all accounts a training session, um, and and of course the signing of Josh Adokar, 
Uh, and the Bulldogs, I mean, they did stun the Roosters. They did, 16-12. Oh, I called this game, um, and it was, it was high on drama. Look, it's not like a, it wasn't a rugby league classic, but for drama it certainly was. And, the, you know, the, 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 there was this, um, with Bulldogs fans, when you're a wooden spooner, you've won, you know, bugger all games the last few years, you've got this feeling of inev- inevitability that, no, we're going to get run down here, you know, and that's the way it was looking. Um, 16 to 12, and then there's the, the chance of the try in the corner, and it goes to the bunker, and then lo and behold, try disallowed, and the Bulldogs hang on. They thoroughly deserve the win. There's no question of that. Um, they, they didn't even, when it got to the end of the game, I was asked by someone, well, who played best for the Bulldogs? Well, I couldn't really say. <laughs> Man of the match was certainly James Tedesco from the Roosters, but there hadn't been any standouts. But a bit like the Broncos on the Thursday night, the Bulldogs, and they haven't done this very often, found a way to win, found a way to hang on. Good start and, and, and then hang in there. So um, let's hope it's a sign of better things to come. What I will say, it proves that there has been improvement in the Bulldogs because it's a game they would not have won last year. So that's what you take out of it, the fact that they got a way to win. Probably the Roosters are the biggest story. Their attack is, is not good at the moment. Is not good. And over the, so in the first eight rounds, Smithy, They've won four and lost four. In the next eight weeks, uh, the next eight rounds, they will play Parramatta and Penrith twice. They will play Melbourne and Cronulla. So they're batting at four and four, and now in six of their next eight games, they play, you know, four of the best teams in the competition across, you know, six of the rounds. Um, Yeah, question mark on Roosters. Pressure on Trent Robinson's team, no doubt. West Tigers uh, couldn't quite get themselves uh, out of jail as they had done quite uh, well in the last two encounters, uh, losing a pretty tight one against the Dragons. Oh, good game, Smithy. Yeah, good game. And, and shows that these sides have improved. You know, it shows a remarkable what winning does, you know, just puts you in better frame and they were more committed. Um, but Dragons deserving win. Good crowd down in Wollongong. Dragons now three in a row. Um, Tigers doesn't undo all their good work. Some people say, oh, well, you know, no, they, they, were, they have improved. And and they needed to. I mean, they were they were horrible. Um, you know, less than a month ago. So, yes, it wasn't a win for the Tigers, but it is still improvement on what they were dishing up for the first four weeks, four or five weeks of the Premiership. And for the Dragons, uh, I, I had them in my eight at the start of the year. I had them as my bolter, and I'd sort of lost hope for them. But they've put together three, and they're um, they're back on the right path. What about ratings numbers? I mean, crowds and ratings. I mean, there's a, a lot of conjecture about rugby union and super rugby really battling to get people through the gate. Uh, even when they put it all on in, in one city, they couldn't quite grab the, the crowd at Melbourne. Uh, what, what are league numbers? Now, I read an article last week uh, about uh, Channel 9 really, really battling. Is that across the board or Fox going cool? Uh, the subscription ratings are good. Pay TV, the Fox ratings have been uh, have been good and are up on last year. And last year was a you know exceptional circumstances, or really the last two with uh, lockdowns and all that. So you didn't really know what was a genuine figure were people watching. But um, now that they take in the devices, you know all the different people. Like I watch a lot of rugby league on the phone, you know, getting around and, and your handheld devices and that sort of thing. So they take that into account now. So those ratings are up. Um, the free to wear ratings down. Now, I, I can't put my finger on that, but I think overall, if you combine the two, I think you'll find the rugby league ratings are up. By comparison with the Super Rugby, like when you talk about the Magic Round and, and you know, they struggled to get the crowd at Amy Park, can I tell you, outside of Melbourne, 
there were people in Sydney who said we weren't even aware there was a magic round on. Um, so it was very encouraging for Rugby Union on the weekend just gone by that at Leichhardt Oval, you know, back in the suburbs, um, the Waratahs with that incredible win over the Crusaders, a good crowd. That will give them momentum because they still have another two matches to play at Leichhardt. So they're away from the stadium. They're still building Sydney Football Stadium and, you know, decision made to play at one of the most suburban of suburban grounds. Um, and it certainly came up trumps for them Saturday night and, and will probably ensure all those people will go back for their next two. So... Uh, maybe a little sign of life there, but I, personally, Ian, I, I've got to say, and I do a breakfast show, you know, talking sport every morning, the profile of mm. rugby union is, has never been lower. Um, and that is because the players of the Australian franchises, you know, the, the Wallabies could now walk down um, this, uh, George Street in the city naked and no one would know who they are. It is a starless competition now. And I, that's happened in a very short space of time. For a while there, Israel Folau was the biggest name. Well, we all know he's now out of the picture. But, you know, Michael mm. Hooper aside, there's not too many recognisable players. They're, they're, they've, they've, you know, they're, they're losing a, a PR battle besides everything else. They're an unknown, the Wallabies. And, and, and of course, that flows on into the franchises. Well, I'll tell you what, success breeds success. And uh, we, I firmly believe, and a lot of our um, correspondents believe as well, uh, that the gap's closing between New Zealand and Australian sides in Super Rugby, Vossi, because that was always a sticking point, that uh, they turn up and they get beat week after week. Their record last year was abysmal. Uh, already this year, the margins are closer and they're winning more. Oh, I think, well, that, that's a hope. Um, you know, we've had a few false dawn, Smithy, so there's probably a little bit of, bit of nervousness before <laughs> um, you know, shouting from the rooftops. But, you know, if, if that sort of result, well, put it this way, Waratahs won't be $15 next time around, will they? But it's not right. often that a team in a two-horse race paying $15 um, it, it wins a game. Um, so, you know, let's, let's say, what's been a, an expression used during the COVID, and, and your Prime Minister would have used it, our, our political leaders did, green shoots. It, that, that's a green shoot, uh, the Warriors. <laughs> uh, the uh, Waratahs win over the Crusaders, and it's, it's up to the other franchises and the Waratahs themselves to, to build on that, and they're doing it for the, for the good of the game, for the good of the sport. Mm, they are. I've got a text in, Vossi, if you've got a, a minute just to answer this one, you probably will. Um, morning. What chance do, do you believe Vossi, uh, Reese Walsh, being at the Warriors next year? Heaps of speculation now. He is going to announce the signing at the Dolphins very shortly. Yeah, well, the more that the Dolphins miss out on other star players, obviously the more likely Reese Walsh going to the Dolphins becomes... Uh, a, a real possibility. Um, I, I, I know there's a feeling among many of the Warriors that he wants to you know, stay in Australia, but and, and it's just the way things have worked out over the last couple of seasons that he's in Australia anyway. Um, the Dolphins would be uh, the, the, the club most likely. Uh, over the weekend, we believe the Broncos have entered the market for Cameron Munster. So, you know, these other factors will impact Reese Walsh, I'm sure. Um, if the Dolphins were to pick up Cameron Munster, then perhaps they're not looking for Reese Walsh, but uh, if they miss out on Cameron Munster, and let's say the Broncos is genuine and Melbourne aren't out of the picture there either, then Reese Walsh may become priority number one as the next recruit for the Dolphins. That'll be hard for the Warriors to, to keep him. Vossi, great to have you back on our uh, airwaves over here. Thanks so much for your calls over the um, over the uh, previous weekends, etc. I hope you enjoyed your holiday. Nice to have you back with us, man, and uh, we'll speak to you same time next week, eh? 
Yeah, yeah. Good to, good to be on the program again, Smithy, from the home of the uh, Cricket World Cup. Smithy, remember we won it? Remember that? Oh, right. Yeah, OK. We're going to back then, are you? So, uh, oh, no, I'm just saying, that would be the intro. They're just a tag. They're from the home. Uh, let's cross to the home of the Cricket World Cup, Australia. Women's and men's. OK. Just thought, Smithy, no? Oh, well, OK. Right, okay, yeah, okay. Well, well, no, I'll give you that. I'll give you a heads up. I'll give you that. Yeah, uh, Vossy one, Smithy nil. Um, yeah, well, you okay. Won't I'll give you that. We're and never going to get the bladder low. You own that, so you know we'll, we'll stop fighting over that. Yes. Okay, well, okay, but no, World Cup. You can't be much. You can't be much better than world champions. So um, we're working on it. Don't worry. We're coming up with a cunning plan. A cunning plan. <laughs> okay. Cunning right. plan. It's on again. This Take, year. It's on again. <laughs> Take, take a hell of a plan to beat your women's team, I'll tell you that. Uh, it's 11.21, Vossi. Thank you very much, buddy. And we'll see you next week. At, uh, as Vossi, Andrew Voss coming in from Australia, of course, hot off his own breakfast show, which uh, he is with Brandy Alexander. Golfing updates. Uh, what can I tell you? Lydia Coe, has, her driver has deserted her. She's in trouble now. Um, she's got to play about oh, a chip of about 60 metres to try and get up and down. She doesn't do that. I would be thinking that she's in a real spot of bother to try and win it. She probably will. She's had a magnificent chip. So uh, she'll make par out of uh, a really bad drive, which is going uh, left, right, left, right all the time at the moment. So keep you updated there. Stephen Elka still with his nose in front in the Champions Tour. It is 11.22. Winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, Mike has texted in. Uh, he's been watching the golf clearly. He says, when you consider how much Lydia Coe is struggling with a two-way driver missing this week, she is doing extremely well to be in contention. That's uh, because she has, as Mike says, an amazing short game. So too does Stephen Elka, who on the back nine has gone par, birdie, 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 par, eagle, and now has a four-shot lead uh, with around three holes to go in the latest Champions Tour event. So it looks like another win on the cards there, and an interesting story that uh, Logan printed out for me this morning uh, about investors into the IPL. Phoenix Suns guard Chris Paul and NFL duo Larry Fitzgerald, very famous Larry Fitzgerald and Kelvin Beecham, have invested in the Rajasthan Royals, uh, underlining the IPL's glo- growing uh, global appeal, uh, the popular T20 league, which counts Bollywood actors and industrialists among franchise owner and tracks the who's who of cricket, has grown into a 10-team affair now, with uh, Gujarat and Ahmedabad paying uh, a combined $1.7 billion to come on board uh, for this particular season. So the three Americans will be minority investors in Rajasthan Royals, haven't won it actually for around 14 years. The franchise said in a statement without sharing details of their investment, the United States will co-host the 2024 T20 World Cup. Didn't realise that, the United States. I suppose they'd do it round about in the Miami area, which is very close to the West Indies. Um, of course, it's the closest point of contact there, and there's a lot of West Indian people live uh, in the Florida region. So would mind thinking that that is perhaps going to be the home for the 2024 T20 World Cup. Uh, Chris Paul said, really excited to be one of the first US athletes to see the value and the scope for the growth of the IPL, and that is one, absolutely one, of uh, the uh, things uh, that is remarkable about the IPL. It never loses its interest in terms of people going through the gate. Why is that? Well, there is uh, a pretty simple reason. Uh, There's well over a billion people live in India, and I'd say 85 to 90% of them absolutely love cricket. They absolutely do. So 
Um, Logan, if you're thinking of getting involved in investing in the IPL, then you're joining some fairly high-class company. Yeah, I can't say I have the money for that, uh, Smithy. But yeah, I'm really intrigued by this as well. It, it, it's almost like an Arizona sports power trio when you've got you know Chris Paul, Larry Fitzgerald Jr. and Calvin Beecham. That's massive. And uh, Jimmy Neesham is a huge, huge fan of American sports himself. So I can just imagine him hearing that news and thinking, oh, wow, uh, these guys are going to be minority investors uh, in the Royals. I think this is huge. Uh, I mean, like, like it said in that report, cricket isn't that popular in the States yet. But hey, you've got you know, the Caribbean right there in in their uh, backyard. So hopefully this is maybe the start of something new here, Smithy. It might well be. It might well be. Uh, something old, which is, um, has been going on since the inception of our show, is Stump Smithy. And that's uh, time for that right now. It is 0800 That is our phone number. Uh, we're back to square one today. We've got the sleep drops and 50 bucks from the TAB. So... Light up the lines, see if you can start your week on a positive note. All the very best, and here's Ottawa with the 11.31 news. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. All right, listeners, it's time to pad out for another week of Stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. And Smithy, as you said, $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs, plus some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. It's been a massive weekend of sport. How much uh, almanacs and Wikipedias did you read? Me, personally? <laughs> um, not, I've, got them on the, I've got them on the bookshelf. Uh, I don't often just pick them out and read them, unless I've got really not much to do. Uh, but I do use them as reference points from time to time, but I have not got them with me in here. So I've got a few sports books in the, in the old studio, but nothing that I can relate to very quickly. Um, yeah, I was always a big fan of when I played, looking at uh, stats and just see how poor my season had been. But apart from that, I would uh, I just stack them on and they get they get a bit of dust. So I'm not one of those guys actually that sits and studies it for the sake of trying to win fifty bucks. Put it that way. Well, potentially uh, our first call in line might be joining us at the crease, uh, Charlie from Geraldine. Come in, mate. How you doing? Oh, I'm fabulous, mate. I thought I'd get on there and give Smithy a good start for the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good on you, Charlie. I, I, look, I look forward to, uh, uh, always look forward to my confrontations with you, our, our one-on-one. So, um, mate, uh, how, how, which, did I ask, have I asked you what your footy team is? Yeah, your EPL team? Oh, Newcastle United. Well, you're okay now, aren't you? Chris Wood got you out of the crap. Well, yeah, I think he's going now, isn't he? Because he's not scored enough goals, apparently. I think he'll probably will go. I think there was a strategic move to make sure that he couldn't play for Burnley uh, and and help Burnley along against Newcastle. But uh, now it looks like, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, unless they can really have a strong finish, uh, Everton will be out, uh, Charlie, for the first time in about 60 years out of the top league. Oh, no, Everton, Norwich and Leeds, by the looks of it. Everton, Norwich and Watford, isn't it? Or something like yeah, yeah, I think Leeds might just scrape through and uh, just hanging on by the skin of their teeth. So uh, that's what it's looking like at the moment. Uh, meanwhile, let's get back to business at hand. Uh, and what are the subjects today, Logan? Yes, well done warming up, Charlie, there, Smithy. So your topics are today, Charlie, the All Blacks, netball and basketball. Take your pick. 
Oh my goodness, I don't know anything about any of that. We'll go All Blacks. All right. I always love when I get a re- reaction like that about the, uh, the topics at hand. The All Blacks. Okay. They scored 104 points on USA last year at FedEx Field. There were 12 different try scorers for New Zealand in that match. Who scored the most tries? Was that last year, you said? Yep. Um, I've got, oh, we'll go winger Julian Savia. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. <laughs> I wish you could see Brian's face right now. Smithy, over to you. <laughs> um, Brian's probably going to pull the same face here. Um, I'm going to say Will Jordan. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Gone, it's Charlie. Hard luck, mate. Smithy stumped you. On to the next. Kiri from Manawatu, come in. How are you guys? Yeah, doing really good. Uh, Smithy, now you're on a heater there. Will Jordan got the hat trick. Uh, thought maybe he might have stumped you a little bit there because Luke Jacobson and uh, Angus Tartavel scored twice. But yeah, a lot of try scorers in that game. Kerry, second question. The All Blacks put a 60-0 demolition on the Irish back in June 2012. What was the stadium where that game was played? An, an island, you think? No, they were playing Ireland back in uh, June 2012. I'll give you a hint. It was in New Zealand. What stadium was it? Uh, I'm going to go Foresight. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy. I'm going to go Waikato Stadium. Cool as you like, buddy. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Wow, another caller. We're going to have to. We don't actually have a third in yeah, line, do we? Simon, line one. Here we do. All right, bring him up, Simon. Simon on line, line, one. line, one, line one. How you doing, mate? Good, good, thank you. Smithy is two for two so far. How are you liking your chances here? He's going well, he's going well. <laughs> Oh, I sense a little bit of nerves here. Okay, last question. Uh, this is for the $50 TAB bonus bet and the sleep drops. The first time the All Blacks played a test match against Fiji was during the 1987 Rugby World Cup. How many total test matches have the two nations played against each other? Um, all time, is it? All time, yes. Um, just have a stab at uh, 15? No idea, really. <laughs> One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, it's all warmed yeah, up. It's you're not t- that many. You're two for it's two. Not, it's not that many. Yes, it's not that many, actually. Uh, surprisingly few. Um, that has been uh, one of the bugbears, actually. I have to... I, I'm, I'm not sure it's as many as six or seven, so I'm going to go under that, and I'm thinking I might just go for four. One of the worst things I have ever seen oh. done on a cricket field. Oh. oh, you had me, again, Smithy, you had me on the edge of my seat. It was seven, seven total times I've played. Okay. Okay, so, okay well, Simon, congratulations, mate. You have uh, taken us to the cleaners this morning. 
you've uh, you've uh, haven't got the sleep drops, but you've picked up the fifty bucks. If you stay on the line, uh, congratulations, Brian. We'll get all your details, mate. And uh, cheers, buddy. Yeah, well done. Good start. Good start to the week. I hope you turn that fifty into five thousand. That would be fantastic. Uh, TOB would hate you, but uh, I'd be right on your back. It's eleven thirty-nine here on SENZ, and uh, we'll be back shortly with uh, a few of your texts and uh, a little golfing update as well. Your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And they certainly do, Polaris. Get down to your local dealer and have a look at uh, some of these models. The Ranger, the RZR, the General, the Sportsman, Commercial, the Youth. So many uh, different uh, particular brands that you can choose from if you go to your Polaris dealer, particularly with duck shooting around the corner. Uh, they've got uh, the Sportsman, which is absolutely ideal for that. Load it up, get it, uh, all the equipment out to the Mai Mai, sit and wait and do what you do. I mean, uh, just perfect vehicles for that in particular. So uh, make sure you get hold of your Polaris dealer uh, as soon as you can. Stephen Elka, uh, back nine now. He is six under, six under for the seven holes that he's played. Simply amazing. And he now has uh, a four-shot lead with just two holes to go. So it's going to be another win for Stephen Elka, who is just absolutely blitzing it on the, the Champions Tour as we speak. Lydia Ko is in the bunker on the left of the green on uh, the par 5 15th, uh, and she needs uh, very much to make birdie here at least. Uh, she's two behind the clubhouse leaders, uh, so has to get something really spectacular going. Uh, an EPL uh, action uh, overnight was um, some interesting matches. Arsenal had um, a, a good win. They beat uh, West Ham 2-1 in the London derby, so they maintained their place just ahead of Tottenham, um, who had earlier beaten Leicester City. So uh, they were good, two good results for those. Uh, Tottenham have got 61 points with four games to play. Arsenal 63 uh, from 34 games, also four games to play. But the really crucial game came at the bottom of the table, uh, where Everton, who are at the bottom, managed to beat Chelsea, who are comfortably in third, 1-0, uh, with uh, striker Charlison. Um, profiting from a Chelsea era. Uh, so that was three points to avoid the relegation. Uh, and uh, Goodison Park absolutely apparently just, just simply went off, went off there as they desperately try to avoid uh, getting knocked out of the Premier League, of course, and missing out on all that uh, great television revenue. Uh, Smithy, I note Ireland are playing $5.22, paying $5.22 to beat the All Blacks in the first test on July 2nd. Um, and uh, I, th- I think that's relatively exciting money, Brian, to be fair, relatively exciting money. Lydia Coase just had a magnificent bunker shot. She could birdie this hole. Uh, so, yeah, I think 5 bucks 20 All Blacks first up, new combinations. Um, might be interesting, actually. They'll be so determined, Ireland, of course, because uh, they have got the Joe Smith factor against them, really, and they'll use that, I'm sure, as a bit of a, a carrot. Here's one for Araha. From Jared, as uh, Jared has texted and said, a shout out to Araha for her articulate pronunciation of the English language, Araha. There are none better for me. How good's that? Absolutely brilliant, Araha. So, uh, and I absolutely echo. I echo those thoughts, uh, Jared. It's beautiful. Uh, not just the Maori names, but the, all the, the New Zealand ones, actually, as well, and uh, the English versions as well. Just, yep, very jealous. Very, very jealous. 
Uh, Tony's coming. Uh, well done, Smithy. You avoided the short ball from Vossi like a pro. Just duck and get don't get sucked in. So, yeah, interesting when you go head-to-head with those uh, Aussie commentators. So, um, <clears throat> what about women's boxing? How about the, talking about uh, the pugilism over the weekend? This Katie Taylor has battled away into uh, an Irish sporting immortality, outlasting one of the most powerful fighters in the world's most famous arena in the biggest fight in the history of women's boxing. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Uh, there appears to be no hyperbole unworthy of the undefeated, undisputed, lightweight world champion. She won, um, I think it was in a split decision, slugged through 10 rounds uh, against Puerto Rico's Amanda Serrano at Madison Square Garden. Tonight was just fantastic. She said, I had to dig deep in there. I had to produce a career-defining performance. She is 21-0. and 0. Uh, We definitely got the best out of each other. The scene was set. They're good boxers, the Irish, aren't they? The scene was set as Irish fans and the sellout crowd roared along to the emotional rendition of their national anthem, The Soldier's Song, before Taylor went into battle. So the best night of my career for sure. I wasn't sure if anything could reach my Olympic gold, uh, my Olympic medal moment, but now she actually has found that. Now then, uh, women's sevens. We talked about the New Zealand against Australia in the final. Logan, got an update? Yeah, it's uh, very surely about to get underway there at uh, Vancouver Island. The bronze final has just completed. 22-14, Ireland upsetting France, and you could just see how much it meant to them. They absolutely swarmed onto the field, and then in the post-match interview, uh, Amy Lee Murphy-Crow, who get this, scored all four tries for Ireland. She's had an outstanding tournament there in uh, Canada. She got swarmed by the team again straight afterwards. So it, it just kind of reminded me of scenes when uh, Zoe Sadowski Sinnott, you know, won uh, in Beijing and just all the competitors surrounding her and just the elation and the emotion of of that moment. So, yeah, we're about to get underway. New Zealand versus Australia. Uh, the Blackfin Sevens return to the World Cup Series or to the World Series, sorry. Uh, man, I can't wait. You can, it's almost like they just haven't missed a step, Smithy. It's been great. Yeah, it has been great. You're dead right. Um, yeah, look forward to that. That's uh, kicking off very shortly. Staffy will have, the, I think, the final result for that in his show. Uh, Lydia Coe missed a three-foot putt, I can tell you, for birdie, so she's still two behind, and she didn't even hit the hole from three feet. So her game today in particular has been particularly out of sorts as she looked to win this tournament. I don't think now it's going to happen. It's just not working for her. It is 11.51. Uh, Staffy next. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, Occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.